recorded live from deep in the heart of Texas. Welcome to the Clover Tech Podcast with another conversation that brings together the firearm industry and community. Are you ready? Hope so, because here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another CloverTech podcast powered by our good friends at Anderson Manufacturing. We'll talk a little bit about uh, them later on. It is uh, February 15th, I believe, the day after Labor Day or uh, uh, was it Side Chick Day, as a lot of folks call it. Uh, so happy belated Valentine's Day, of course. Uh, and uh, for those that uh, are out there joining us that may be channel members. Yeah, we record live in front of those channel members or with those channel members, however you want to uh, put that, I guess. So uh, if you're out there in the replay world, we welcome you too, of course, and you can always comment and ask questions and whatnot uh, down below after the fact. But if you uh, want to consider becoming a channel member, hop over on the uh, YouTube channel. There's a button there that says join. Uh, you'll be good to go and you'll get access to uh, when we record these and be able to ask questions of our guests and all of that stuff. We've got uh, what I think is going to be a good one. Uh, we've got a uh, feller, as we say here in uh, East Texas, we've got a uh, feller that um, will mesmerize me usually when he starts talking. And hopefully he'll do that for some of you guys out there. Not put me to sleep, but mesmerize me. I love hearing Jeff Knox talk. We've got Jeff Knox with Firearms Coalition, who uh, has a ton of stuff going on right now. So uh, let's get Jeff in here. And uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other, man. It has. I, I think it was SHOT Show before the pandemic it was the last time we bumped into each other. Probably. Probably. And, um, and then it was just briefly in the hallway out before the, the new product <laughs> stuff. And we chit-chatted for a minute. And that was about it. I I, right. I can't think of running into you since then but we might have because stuff falls out in my brain pretty frequently these days yeah well you know that that's uh that's life i think is what uh isn't it what frank sinatra was saying anyway that's life yeah. um but uh, everybody's gotta got to get this well this is true everybody's got their own thing and uh um you know everything so uh, i'm going to give you uh let me give you a minute here and for those i mean you've been on the podcast before my my old viewers listeners uh are probably well aware of who you are those that follow second amendment things uh are very likely aware of who you are but you know we're bringing new people into the community all the time so i'm going to give you just a, a minute or two or six however long you need here um uh, who are you what do you do uh just give us the basic rundown of kind of your your past and your uh, history, and uh, then we'll get on to some current events. Well, thank you, Clover. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, my name is Jeff Knox. I'm the director of the Firearms Coalition. Um, that was founded by my father, Neil Knox, back in 1984, and he ran it for 20 years, and I've been running it for 20 years since then. He passed away in 2005, so we're coming up on our uh, on my 20th year in in charge but um you know dad dad was a gun writer uh in 1977 he didn't like the direction that the nra was going and he and a group of others got together and they staged a revolt at the members meeting in cincinnati that year and it is historically referred to as the cincinnati revolt and at that meeting 
they changed a lot of the rules. They changed a lot of the top personnel, replaced the executive vice president, CEO, and uh, made Second Amendment the core uh, of the NRA. Up until 1975, the NRA didn't even lobby officially. Right. And in 75, they created a lobbying group, the Institute for Legislative Action of the NRA. And uh, but they were they were strangling them in the crib, as it were. And so dad and, and a few others, John Wooters. Um, anyway, they got together at the, the members meeting in Cincinnati and they they staged a revolt and changed things and made Second Amendment advocacy one of the NRA's top priorities for the first time ever. And that uh, from there, dad uh, became the executive director of ILA a year later. And he did that for about four years and had a falling out. The, they, the Republicans in Congress really liked him when he was hammering on Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter's administration. But once he helped get Reagan elected and was still hammering on the BATF uh, in the Reagan administration, the Republicans start being, being a little less fond of him and he was holding their feet to the fire and, and making them keep their promises or trying to. So that went, uh, uh, that, that was the way he went out of NRA. Uh, he got himself elected to the board of directors, got himself kicked off the board of directors, founded the Firearms Coalition in 1984, and uh, started driving that and, and was a, an independent lobbyist for the coalition. And then um, got himself elected to the board again in 1991 and quickly rose up through the ranks, was the first vice president in line to become the president the, the following year. And he noticed that things weren't going quite the way they should have under Wayne LaPierre's administration. And so dad called Wayne on it and, and told him that he needed to straighten some things out. Um, some of the contracting, some of the heavy handed fundraising tactics, um, money wasn't being spent well, and it was being raised roughly. And Wayne's comment to dad was, Neil, you're destroying the greatest fundraising organization the world <laughs> has ever seen. And right. dad said, Wayne, it's not a fundraising organization. It's a gun rights organization. Um, right. Wayne's response was, well, well, you know what I meant. And in reality, that's, that's what it was. Well, dad was advocating for a Second Amendment uh, and, and gun rights organization that fundraised out of necessity to to do that job. And Wayne was more on the side of a fundraising organization that used the Second Amendment as its uh, means of leveraging money out of people. And, mm -hmm. and he won. They brought in Charlton Heston. Heston beat dad for the first vice president seat by four votes. And... Um, the that was it you know dad most of dad's supporters sure. were were chased off the board and within a couple of years uh dad and and all the rest were off the board and uh 
Wayne's salary went from $250,000 a year to $400,000 a year. And then a couple of years later, it was up to 600. And a couple of years after that, it was up to 800. Mm -hmm. And when he stepped down here at the beginning of this month, Wayne was getting paid a million and a half, million seven, something like that. And uh, I think that that's just uh, wrong. And I've a little uh, bit, yeah. I've been a bit of of a critic of of Wayne for quite some time, but um, so now, of course, NRA is in the midst of a uh, lawsuit in New York. They're losing that. They're they're going to lose that. I can assure you. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so the question is whether whether what exactly the judge is going to do. And with that in mind, uh, a group of us got together and said, well, how can we have influence over what's happening in the NRA today? The NRA has a 76 member board of directors um, with 76 members. You can't get anything done. You, you can't, right. it's just too many people. Yeah. But, but four of us got ourselves, uh, nominated by petition and uh, we're on the ballot. The ballots should be coming out probably next week in your NRA magazines. And uh, we hope that you will vote for the four candidates for reform. That's myself, Phil Journey, uh, Rocky Marshall and Dennis Fusaro. And uh, we'll talk about them a little bit more as we go ahead. Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to. Let's put, let's put a pin in that. Uh, and just uh, kind of give people, I know you know them well, so you know, give people a little mm -hmm. background. Uh, real quick, uh, Ron Wayne out there um, says uh, he has uh, The Gun Rights War by, uh, by your dad. Just won that book uh, over on G-Web's channel. Um, Excellent. How many books did your dad write? That's the only, it's the only one and he didn't write it. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's, it's uh, a collection of articles that dad wrote that during right. his his time and it was actually collected by my brother and annotated by my brother chris and um so it is dad's writing um but the it's official author of the book is is my brother chris ah, and, okay. uh, yeah so whether he's the author or the editor or what you want to call it but he did a great job of of selecting going through right. 40 years worth of writing that my dad had put out and um putting notes in front of it to give you a a feeling for where we were at the time that this was written and what was going on and and what dad's attitude at the time was because one of the things that's and and why this book is so important and i i really encourage people to get a copy of it is that it gives you the history of the gun rights movement as it was happening. Mm -hmm. And that's um, knowing your history is really critical mm -hmm. because, you know, people talk about FUDs and, and the mistakes that NRA has made and the mistakes that the gun rights movement has made, but the attitudes changed. Um, go to 1960 and talk about gay marriage. Mm -hmm. Go to 1960 True. and talk about uh, talk about um, interracial marriages. Um, right. Attitudes change over time. And in the 1960s, 
the attitude was, well, we do have a crime problem and keeping guns out of certain people's hands might be a good idea. And how do we do that without trampling on the rights of, of the citizens? And, mm -hmm. and, and in reality, the jurisprudence on the Second Amendment at that time was pretty well settled that it wasn't an individual right. It turns out that that, that, that jurisprudence was mistaken. It right. was distorted because the Miller decision didn't say that. Miller was the primary Second Amendment case that the Supreme Court had looked at. And, and it didn't really say what everybody said it said. It, it actually, the Miller decision did say something about um, the importance of the relationship of militia and, and the right to arms. But a, a um, lower court took that decision, bastardized it, and misinterpreted it. And that lower court's interpretation was what was picked up by all of the other courts and all of the law schools and, and everything. Yep. And it wasn't until actually the, the early 1970s, a young law student by the name of David Hardy uh, sent my dad a, a, an article about what he had found in the Second Amendment. Um, he had started looking into it for some reason. He was looking at something else and he started looking into the Second Amendment and he said, wait, this doesn't say what we've been taught that it says. And the jurisprudence that leads up to that teaching isn't what we've been taught. So why is that? And his law school professor said, well, do an article on it, do your research, do an article on it, I'll give you credit for it. And, and so he did. And it turned out that David's analysis was what led the next writer. It was published in the Arizona Law Review. And um, so then um, that happened to be seen by um, Cates, Don Cates, a professor in, in California. And he read it and thought, well, that's interesting. I'm going to go prove this kid wrong. And he started digging into it and, and said, holy cow, this kid's right. And so right. he wrote an article for the Michigan Law Review, which more people read Michigan than read Arizona. I don't know why. But uh, Don wrote that and, and brought in um, the historian um, whose name I just completely forgot. But anyway, um, and that was spotted by Sanford Levinson uh, down in Texas. And Levinson said, well, these guys are, are crazy. That's not what the Second Amendment says or means. I'm going to prove them wrong. And so he dug into it and he said, holy cow, they're right. And Sanford Levinson was not a friend of, of the Second Amendment at that time. So he wrote an article for, I believe it was the Yale Law Review. It might have been Harvard, but I think it was Yale that, um, he titled The Embarrassing Second Amendment. <laughs> and, and he wow. laid it out and said, well, we need to change this because the way it is now, it protects an individual right to arms, not just to have them, but to keep them, to bear them, to carry them around with you. And that's a problem. So we need to change that. 
But uh, that laid the groundwork for Heller and eventually McDonald and eventually the Bruin decision, which we're running under now, which is, man, what a great decision that one was. It, you know, it is. And that's where I kind of wanted to take this when you were talking about what had happened back then um, about the lower courts, because it, it seems like Bruin came out and the lower courts have done nothing. Well, and not all of them, um, but certain districts anyway, uh, have done nothing but thumb their nose right. at, the, at the Supreme Court. And, and, and so it's a similar when you were talking about how the lower courts in the past, uh, you mm -hmm. know, interpreted it wrong. And they kind of everybody was kind of running with what the lower courts said that since Bruin, we've kind of seen a rash of that where one lower court would do something and then that would embolden another to do it and another and another. And there's this, this chain yeah. reaction the, that at, at some point SCOTUS is going to have to step in and go, you know, and smack some heads and go, look. Right. Uh, and that's the difference between, yeah, that's the difference between now and then is that then the Supreme court really didn't want to take a second amendment case. Right. The the Miller case was very carefully herded over to them and was um, what they were attempting to do was to to carefully word their their ruling in a way that that wasn't going to invalidate the NFA, the National Firearms Act, which had just been passed a, uh, a few right. years earlier. And that was the whole point of that case was to try and save the NFA from uh, being ruled unconstitutional. And realistically, the the Supreme Court decision in Miller had had we had the lawyers and the advocacy at that time that we have today, I think that we would have been able to go in and and blow the NFA out of the water based like on the them, Miller man. case, because the Miller case is, is pretty straightforward, but um, that court didn't want to correct the lower courts. They, the, the judges on, on the Supreme court at that time weren't interested in trying to embolden and strengthen the second amendment. They, mm -hmm. they really wanted to, let it slide and give the government the power to do this stuff. And so they never, never accepted any kind of challenges. And there weren't really much, there wasn't really much in the way of challenges to that decision. Um, so it just was allowed to linger out there and, and hang on the vine. And it was the lower court's decision that, that had said, well, it's, it's a collective right that belongs to members of the militia um, and that's not what it said at all. Uh, if you take the Miller case, literally, what it says really is the only things that are protected by the Second Amendment are weapons that would be useful in a militia. <laughs> so military arms right. is what they said the Second Amendment was all about. And now you've got these judges that are twisting it around and saying, well, no, because it's military, it's not protected by the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. And I sure hope that that this court takes up a couple of these cases and slaps down these these lower courts and straightens this stuff out. And I, I hope and pray that they do it before before Clarence Thomas decides to um, 
to pass True. on or or get hit by a bus or whatever or step you down. Know. yeah yeah or step down you know i i i have long long said that clarence thomas is my absolute favorite justice he was my favorite justice back when scalia was writing the heller opinion um mm -hmm. i thought thomas thomas is a a uh, originalist a literalist and he gets it right most of the time and uh scalia Scalia was was willing to throw some stuff under the bus, which I, I didn't like. He wasn't as strong on Fourth Amendment protections. Mm -hmm. He allowed the Commerce Clause stuff to go all kinds of directions that it shouldn't have gone right. uh, in the name of the war on drugs. Um, so he wasn't my favorite. But Clarence Thomas, absolutely. I, I uh, thank the Lord for that man. Uh, but... Anyway, so we that's where we you. are with Bruin. I hope we can get something done with it. But it's yeah, all in and the you, hands of the court. You mentioned the fourth, you know, the fourth amendment there. And so one of the things that, that bothers me about this whole notion of, you know, SCOTUS hands this down. Well, you know, they said, okay, here is the, you know, moving forward, here's the test for second amendment cases. And then you've got these lower courts that completely ignore that. Um, and so from the outside looking in, there may be people out there that goes, well, you know, it's just the Second Amendment, right? And But it's not. If they can do that and let lower courts essentially dictate uh, everything, then that could apply to anything. That could apply to our freedom of speech or literally anything. And and I think it's it's mm -hmm. dangerous to start going down that road. And, and you know, yeah, I, I, I'm like you. I do hope that, that SCOTUS eventually will, will pick up on it and you know, say, hey, we, you got to stop doing that. You, ha you have to respect, you know, not having respect for the rule of law. Um, you know, part of that's what gets us in a lot of the situations we get in to start with on a, on yep. a personal level. Right. Yep, um, yep. But, uh, you know, whether you've got shenanigans with the presidency or 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 whatever, um, you know, no, nobody's above law. We have to follow the law. And then when the Supreme Court says, hey, this is the way it goes. I mean, think of all of the law-abiding gun owners out there who you know for years supreme court said this or that and what did we do we we petitioned we fought it in the courts we lobbied to change legislation you know but at the end of the day um you know that was that was the law of the land and and we had to kind of try to work within those confines and, and ultimately I, th I think you know when you're dealing with bad second amendment legislation I think that does lead to there. There is, if there's a plus side to that, I think that it does lead to a lot of cool innovations in the uh, in the marketplace <laughs> in the industry, uh, if if nothing else. So we we've, right. we've definitely pushed pushed some of the technology along, but yeah, again, very dangerous to to let lower courts decide things. And 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 if you're out there and maybe you're on the fence about you're listening to this, you're on the fence about the Second Amendment. I ask you to look at this from another perspective. If you, if you value the First Amendment, at least, you know, what if that's what we were talking about? What if we were talking about lower courts dictating, you know, uh, the right to free speech online, which is a huge issue nowadays, especially. And they're looking um, in that direction. You know, they're moving yeah. in that direction. And and the Fourth Amendment as well. They're they're mm -hmm. trying to to shift the perceptions and i'm sorry the constitution was written about 
the the smallest minority protecting the smallest minority and that's the individual and we have to we have to hold on to that all the time that um that our rights are all about it. one of the things that i that i talk to um with people who are on the fence is take away them and they and put in me and my right don't even make it you and your make it me and my that it's it's about me it's about my rights it's about me being protected from whatever or me making my decision about whatever it's mm -hmm. it's my rights and and if you put it into that framework that can shift people the other thing that i've found most effective especially these days is uh people who are advocating for you know bans on assault weapons and registration and and mm -hmm. mandatory training i say so when donald trump is reelected you want him to have a list of all of the civilians that have guns and you want him to be in charge of the military and the police <laughs> right. and you want him to have the monopoly on power force that way and and surprisingly people aren't really keen on that idea so um right and i'm you know i i think that um that we need to 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 approach it that direction as much as we can uh, right i i the Catano decision the supreme court they didn't even that wasn't even a ruling that was uh, a an issue in in massachusetts they said no a stun gun isn't protected under the second amendment and without the case even getting to the supreme court they basically said no 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 <laughs> if you go down that road then computers aren't really writing and aren't free speech and right. and all of that. And they said, no, anything that can be used defensively or offensively is a weapon, is an arm under the Second Amendment. And they slapped that down right away. I am really surprised that they allowed several of these court decisions that have happened since well, since McDonald, you know, Heller and then McDonald incorporated it. So it applied to every state, uh, though I think that the Second Amendment always applied to every state. But um, but anyway, they I, it surprises me that the court doesn't do more of that, just direct slapping down and say, no, reel that in. That's a bad decision. You guys go back and try again. Um, but the Ninth Circuit has been playing with with uh, cases, dragging them out, not allowing them to go forward. I think they're just hoping and praying for Clarence Thomas or one of the other more conservative justices to decide to hang up their robes so that Joe Biden or whoever is pulling his strings can can appoint someone else that will be more in their favor or that they can get the majority in the House and the Senate and uh, be able to kill the filibuster, pack the court, and do all of this other stuff to protect democracy mm -hmm. that they keep talking about, um, right. which is, you know, destroy democracy to save it. Uh, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, 
And the other thing that I, I like to ask these people is, so how many of you, how many of us are you willing to kill in order to get your gun ban and, and so forth? Because you push this just a little bit farther and that's what it's going to take. How many of your neighbor's doors are you going to ask the police to kick in and yeah. haul them away? Um, because that's where we are. Uh, uh, a lot of our guys are at the point that, you know, no more. We're not going to take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not a good place to be. It really isn't. You know, we say, well, it's null and void because Second Amendment, uh, you know, shall not be infringed and raise your fist in the air and shake it real good. Um, but, you know, you have to take that with with a little bit of practicality, because even though you're convinced that it's null and void, you could spend the rest of your life in prison, shaking your fist in the air and saying shall not be infringed. If we can't right. get good politicians elected, keep bad politicians out, and keep a good solid Supreme Court moving in the right direction and get these laws changed and corrected, then it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. You go to jail and or get killed or whatever. And and uh, that's not a good situation to be in. So we have to be practical about it and and move forward boldly and insistently, but um, but not stupidly. We we don't want to start we don't want to start anything. We don't want to start a war and, and we don't want to have people shooting at us and our children. Um, and so we need to go forward with caution and boldness. Um, so that's my two cents on that. Let's talk about the NRA. We're fixing to, uh, let's, uh, let me, uh, let me pay some bills real quick here and uh, say thanks to Anderson manufacturing. I've got, where's it at? It's back here somewhere. Boom. The AM nine is right here. I'm not touching it for, uh, those that want to freak out about that on a live stream, but, uh, uh, that's the AM nine. That's Anderson's little nine millimeter carbine. Love that thing. Uh, to death. Uh, and then uh, somewhere around here, I think it's actually in a safe right over there, is my Kiger 9C Pro. Two of my favorite firearms, both from Anderson. Uh, but uh, we're keeping close tabs on their bolt action rifles, which uh, uh, any day now we're expecting those to drop. Uh, Anderson uh, started mixing it up a few years back, and they've really, really been mixing it up lately with a lot of different stuff. Uh, the company as you guys know, been around for years, but uh, uh, big shout out, big thanks uh, to them for uh, helping out on the uh, podcast. Yeah, and Ron out there says Anderson rocks. So yeah, the uh, the NRA. So I, I don't want to get off on a bunch of tangents and not get this into the podcast, Jeff. So um, you're running for the board. Uh, the other three running for the board. Can you give us uh, a little quick backstory on those three? You bet. And before I do that, I'll mention that my coyote rifle is an Anderson Manufacturing AR. There you go. Nice. Um, Very nice. But uh, that one is propped in the corner by my back back door so that I can That's step out onto the deck when needed. Right. I think I lost a cat just recently um, and had oh, one man. came happen, right yeah. up into basically into the yard after one of my, my wife's yeah. cleaner dogs. 
and uh, she, she oh that wouldn't be good. Yeah. No, she took a shot at it with a a little <laughs> 38 that she had right inside the door. Um, but um, but at any rate, um, there's four of us that are running for the board of directors. And a lot of people ask, well, what are four of you going to do on a board of directors of 76 people? Um, and my answer is probably not much. We're going <laughs> to get information right. that we wouldn't have access to otherwise. We're right. going to ask questions that wouldn't get asked otherwise. And we're hoping that we might be in a position to advise this judge or whoever this judge puts in charge of the NRA in over the next year or so um, to be able to give them some advice from the perspective of hardline true blue nra members who aren't getting paid by anybody to do this um, too many members of the board of directors are either being on the board of directors is their life's crowning achievement and they're afraid of losing that or they're getting paid and it's right. a one volunteer way position. one way or another one right? way or like another getting, right air quotes so they're getting paid <laughs> well yeah. some of them are getting paid handsomely and it's there's no air quotes to it uh, uh oh really uh, okay marion hammer has that's has true this is true paid almost a half million dollars a year for a long time she right. she started at thirty thousand a year and somehow that moved up to one hundred and twenty thousand a year and somehow that moved up to 250 I remember that, yeah. and then an extra 86 and another hundred thousand it's just it's crazy mm -hmm. but um but yeah now, and, do and you other... think do you think with loppy air out do you think that some of the board members may start to and with the lawsuits and everything else going on, do you mm -hmm. think some of these board members that are absolutely worthless may start dropping out and dropping off? Do you see that no. happening at all? No, I, 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 I don't. Um, okay. And I do see, I think that some of them who have just been followers and fence sitters mm -hmm. might start coming over to the, to the light uh, and, and away from the dark side. I right. think though that, the majority of this board um, somehow in recent years or over the last 20 years, um, way too many of them started spelling N-R-A-W-A-Y-N-E. And I, I am at a total loss of why that is or how they can justify that in their own minds. Mm -hmm. But at this point, We've spent about $200 million, $200 million in legal fees protecting, trying to defend Wayne LaPierre. Because the NRA itself, the only thing that the NRA is accused of is allowing LaPierre and other executives to rob them. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I, five years. I mean, years any ago, normal. Any other business or organization, you got to think day one, it's like, those people are gone. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. four years ago, after all of this came out, um, I wrote an article. It was over four years ago, almost five years ago. I wrote yeah, an article. 19, yeah. 
Well, 2019 was when it all came out, and I, I it well, wasn't it long came to head, after right. that, yeah. right? That I that I wrote an article that I said the the board of directors has two choices and only two choices. They can either say goodbye to Wayne and a couple of other executives, even do it, you know, with praise and dignity and and send him out with honor, but he has to go. And then it requires a full audit of of the books and right. straightening out and house cleaning in a big way and then stand before the court naked saying, OK, we had a problem. We've addressed that problem. We've reversed course. We've straightened things out. We've got our ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. oh, what do you want us to do? And right. it might, there might have been some sort of a fine. They were talking at that time, they were talking about as much as $60 million that had been absconded with or misdirected at NRA. Mm -hmm. in, and I said, the other option, you can either do that or the other option is circle the wagons around LaPierre and keep on circling right down the drain. Mm -hmm. They took option two. They circled the wagons. They kept circling the wagons. And we were paying, money doing it. We've been paying the lawyer that LaPierre hired $2 million a month for five years. Wow. And wow. and then there's bonuses thrown in on top of that. So mm -hmm. it's, it's at least $2 million a month just to that one law firm. And um, so here we are. Four years later, five elections later, um, and NRA in this trial in New York is saying, well, Wayne LaPierre is gone. The, the former treasurer is gone. Um, the former deputy to Wayne LaPierre is gone. And we've straightened everything out. We've course corrected four years ago, five years ago, and, and we're on the straight and narrow. And why are you guys still persecuting us? Well, because, because you haven't come clean. And after you course corrected, you kept allowing LaPierre to do what he had been doing for the past 10, 12, 15 years. Right. So it just kept getting worse over that time. But at any rate, uh, Phil Journey, Judge Phil Journey, he's out of mm -hmm. out of Kansas. Great guy. I've known Phil for 25, 30 years. Um, he was on the board of directors back in the 90s when dad was the vice president. Nice. He uh, got himself reelected to the board after this 2019 mess. And and he thought, Surely it can't be as bad as Jeff is making it out to be. Surely <laughs> they're not really doing this stuff. And he got on the board so that he could find out and see and and try and help move things forward. And mm -hmm. he got on that board and they he found out that, yes, it was worse than he had ever right. expected. Or In imagined. the 90s, you're talking about. No, I'm talking about oh, when he got on the board in 2020. Okay, the recent he was time. elected. Okay. He was elected to the board in 2020, or re-elected to the board in 2020 after mm -hmm. having served back in the 90s. Gotcha. Um, okay, and and he he was stunned at what a mess things were, and he right. he tried to challenge and ask questions and 
got all of his his uh, committee assignments pulled and got ostracized by of he did. by yeah. the board, uh, shouted down during meetings and and so forth. Um, of course, the NRA filed for bankruptcy. Wayne filed for bankruptcy on behalf of the NRA without even consulting the board of directors. Wow. And uh, Phil pushed. He spent a lot of money that he never recouped uh, filing to try and join or have a say in that bankruptcy to to have a an examiner appointed that would be able to look at things and straighten things out. But that bankruptcy was thrown out of court by the judge. He said, you didn't file it in good faith. And and so that was thrown out along with with the money that Phil had spent hiring lawyers and trying to uh, to get it straightened out. Rocky Marshall, we ran Rocky as a as a, a, an independent petition candidate a few years ago, and he didn't make it. He didn't win a seat, but enough people re resigned or passed away that a seat opened up. And so Rocky uh, was at the bottom of the list of people and ended up serving for, That's I think it was 10 months on the board. And right. again, in that that 10 months on the board, Rocky was uh, ostracized, uh, was just treated terribly. Mm -hmm. um, let me go back to Phil for a second. Phil is, of course, an attorney. He's very politically active, but he's also a gun collector, uh, a, a uh, trainer, youth. He, he's very involved in youth firearms stuff. 4-H and, and Hunter Ed program and, and so forth. Um, right. I, I happened to speak to a guy in Kansas just a couple of days ago, and he said, oh, I know who Phil Journey is. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's he's an icon here. You know, I do the yeah. the the Hunter's Ed courses every year and and he's he's nice. a name that I know, but I've never met him. And and so anyway, uh, Phil was very close to running for the attorney general of, of Kansas here a oh, couple wow. of years ago. He's a sharp guy. So Rocky, Rocky is, uh, he runs a, a business in Texas out uh, near San Antonio. Um, and uh, Rocky was the vice president of a Fortune 100 corporation. This is a guy who has been in the corporate world, knows the corporate world, understands finances. He nice. got on the board of directors there for that 10 months and said, what are you people doing? Are, look at, here's the numbers. Let me show you the numbers. This is, right. this is crazy. Right. And um, they ignored him. They, they threw him off, um, didn't renominate him. Um, Dennis Fusaro, I've known Dennis for close to 40 years. Um, I was working uh, uh, with dad and Tanya Metaxa back in, in the Virginia area. And Dennis wandered in fresh out of the Marine Corps and said, hey, I'm a young guy right out of the Marine Corps. I want to get active in Second Amendment causes. Do you guys have a job for me? I'll work for free. What, what can I do for you? And we had to say, we don't have anything for you, but here's Larry Pratt's number. 
Larry might have something over at Gun Owners of America. Give him a call. And he called Larry. Larry gave him a job. And he worked for GOA for quite a while and did some great work do, working with the grassroots and, and uh, out there, very politically active. He's been involved in a lot of political campaigns and so forth and has won a fairly landmark decision on free speech here a couple of years ago. Um, and I think that he was very high up in the uh, Ron Paul for president campaign, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. But uh, but anyway, so Dennis is a great guy. I've known him, you know, like I say, for for a long, long time. And uh, then you have me, troublemaker and <laughs> uh, mouthpiece. Um, and I uh, I ran for the board back in 97. And at that time, I I got with another group of of candidates and we sued the NRA to force them to follow their own bylaws. There was a bylaw that said nowhere in the magazine or on the ballot shall it say how a candidate was nominated, whether it was by petition or by the nominating committee. And um, it, it clearly in black and white said that. And I raised that issue in 1985 at a members meeting. And I said, you guys are violating your bylaws. It's right here. And they ignored me. They said, oh, we've done it that way forever. Well, that doesn't fix it, you know. Change and the so bylaws to reflect that, if nothing else. Yeah. yeah. So in '97, we we filed a lawsuit uh, uh, against them, and to try and force them to obey those bylaws, and uh, they fought it, and mm. they lost, and so because they acted like they were going to win. They published the magazine and the ballot and everything and were ready to mail it out. And the judge said, no, 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 no. <laughs> you guys were wrong. You can't have that in your magazine. You can't have it on the ballot. So fix it. And they had to pull pages out of the magazine and put new pages in and send it out. But one of the new pages was a page that said, sorry, this was late. But a bunch of scurrilous dogs sued your NRA in New York and and cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars to have to do this. And those those guys were Jeff Knox, blah, blah, blah. And he listed off the I think there were 12 of us, uh, maybe nine of us anyway. So we got, you know, between us, 24 votes, one from each of us and our mothers. And right. uh, that was about it, you know, but. But at any rate, I've been a watchdog of, of the NRA. I've been a member of the NRA since 1978. I bought it yep. my my life membership with my first paycheck out of basic training in in 78 uh, on a on a, a term plan. Had to pay full full freight. I believe it was a thousand dollars at that time, and uh, I paid every penny of it, and uh, have been a, a dedicated NRA member ever since. Um, right. And, and that's after, you know, I, as a kid, you know, it was always something that was, was there. But anyway, I'm a gun guy. I'm a shooter. I'm, I'm an activist. I'm very politically active. Um, and uh, so um, something that we haven't said that I should have said right off the bat is my website is firearmscoalition.org. Yep. It's just firearmscoalition.org or at any time, anywhere, write 
Knox Guns, and it will come up with either my website or one of my articles that I've written, one of the mm -hmm. thousands of articles that I've written. And there will always be at the bottom of the article a link back to my website. So right. please right. go see that. There's lots of information there, lots about the lawsuit, uh, the current lawsuit that NRA is losing in New York. That should be wrapping up tomorrow, uh, moves into uh, basically the sentencing stage. So uh, next week will be the judge saying, well, I'm thinking about doing this. You guys can file briefs to tell me why that's a good idea or not a good idea and so forth. And he'll make the decision and his decision could be anywhere from, okay, well, since these guys are gone, you guys go forward and sin no more, which I don't think is going to happen. Or it could go so far as, okay, all of your board of directors is dissolved. All of your officers are fired. Um, we're starting fresh and we're going to, and this election is called off and we're going to uh, start with a brand new board and new elections and, and here, here we go. So it could go from almost nothing to uh, total rework. I personally, I hope that he will, number one, appoint a, an overseer to reorganize, oversee the reorganization of the NRA. Um, I think that he absolutely has to fire, get rid of all of the officers and a lot of the members of the board who are, are culpable in this stupid mess. Yeah. Um, and if not dissolve the entire board. Um, and I, I hope that when they rework it, that we rework it in a way that we have a nine to 15 max member board of directors and add in a big advisory council, if you will, of, yeah, right. of folks who do the, do the committee work and, and do all right. of that stuff but they're not the board of directors. This exactly. is a basically a half billion dollar a year organization, or it was before mm -hmm. we lost a million members and half our revenue, but we were at $400 million just a few years ago, uh, right. uh, annual revenue, and we're at 200 million today. So, or worse. Um, but I, the people who run that, the people who are the board of directors for that should be nine to 15 qualified, corporate, knowledgeable business people. Uh, and I wouldn't have a problem paying them at least something to serve in that capacity for a, an organization like that. But right. I don't think the EVP should be, should be paid a million dollars. <laughs> I don't think those people should be paid a million dollars or or a hundred thousand. And in case anybody's wondering, no, I'm not interested in being on that board of directors. I'm not really, I don't really want to be on the NRA board of directors at all. I've got plenty to do on my own. Right. The only reason I'm I'm I threw my name in the hat was because there aren't many people who have the knowledge and history of NRA that I have. I've been following NRA closely and insider politics of NRA closely 
since the mid 70s. Right. So most people don't know that. I I first met Wayne LaPierre in 1978. Um, so, you know, there aren't many people who have my institutional memory of the NRA. Right. And um, but no, I don't want a job at NRA. I don't want to be on the board of directors of NRA. I want to go in, do what I can on the board to try and get us back on the right track. And then I want to go home. Right. I, I don't I don't want to keep doing that. I don't want right. to be a part of it. And um, so that's that's that. That's where I stand on it. And frankly, I don't think any of my my colleagues are looking for anything. I don't. Right. I think that uh, I think that Phil and Rocky would like to continue on the board, um, but I'm not really sure. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'd like to work myself out of a job right? Uh, in, in that regard. Well, and, and it, uh, it, it sounds like Phil and Rocky might, because of the specific expertise that they have, right. might actually be valuable they bring, on a, a newly restructured board. Right. What they bring to the table is, is much more valuable than what I bring. I bring Second Amendment purism, which they've got that mostly too. I bring some lobbying experience. I bring a lot of grassroots experience um, because that's what, in case people don't know, the Firearms Coalition, I write a lot for Ammo Land and Firearms News and sometimes other publications. But um, we, and I put out a newsletter, and if anybody wants to subscribe to my newsletter, just go make a $5 donation on my website and you can you can be get my newsletter every three or four months whenever I can find the time to to get it out. But um, the our main thing is working with grassroots organizations, helping them to be more effective, helping them right. to strategize and plan what they're going to do next. So um, that's where we are. The NRA is a stinking mess and. Hopefully we can get it straightened out. I think the judge is going to work hard to try and get it straightened out. He seems like a very fair-minded guy uh, from his rulings so far and his his comments on briefs and so forth. So I think that maybe we can do it. And I think that it's important that we do do it. Those who think that the NRA has always been on the wrong side of everything are wrong. NRA has made some huge mistakes. They've done some really bad, stupid stuff at times, but they've also been the mainstay big dog in the fight for decades. And um, to lose them would be devastating. And, um, a, and I've said this, a cultural, and you alluded to this too, by the NRA only really getting into two A issues in you know, the last several decades. Right, um, since 75. But the NRA has been a cultural uh, right. powerhouse as far as influence on society and culture in this country mm -hmm. um, for, for a very long time. And especially to lose that, both sides of the, of the coin, the right. 2A fight plus that uh, could, be, yeah. could be rough. And unfortunately, they've, as they've been cutting to try and save money, Oh, to yeah. give it to the lawyers, 
it's the shooting programs, the competitions, yep. the education and training. That grassroots that, you were talking about. Yeah. All of that grassroots stuff that yeah. brings people in and creates that community and creates that unity that they've let fall by the wayside and cut back on. And we absolutely, we need that. Um, it's, uh, it's huge. And all of the other national organizations combined don't generate 10% of the annual revenue that the NRA does. So they can't spend more than about 10% of all of that. Um, right. Wow. That and look revenue. at the, look at the, and this goes down to another little rabbit hole here as we're just kind of closing in on the top of the hour, but um, look at the good that a lot of the other organizations out there are doing with such a smaller budget compared to the NRA. So then imagine if you had the same people, the same structure, it kind of goes back to what you said at the first of the podcast. You know, if we had the lawyers now that, that the lawyers now in the cases that we had back then, things would be different. If we had the, the, what was going on in some of these smaller organizations with the budget of the NRA, like good Lord, um, we might could, could get some headway finally. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that caused the Cincinnati revolt was they wanted to, the, the leadership at that time in 75, 76, 77, they wanted to build, they called it the college of the outdoors. They wanted to, open up this big facility in New Mexico uh, and um, do all of this outdoorsy honey sh hunting and shooting kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, they needed, they thought it was going to cost $30 million to build that facility. And they couldn't get $30 million from their membership at that time. They had about a million members. And um, they went to an outside consulting firm and the consulting firm said, oh, what you've got to do is you've got to uh, reach out to foundations like the Joyce Foundation and the Mark MacArthur Foundation and the Ford Foundation. And, and you've got to do that. And you can't do that with your current political um, identity. Uh, You're going to have to move away from politics in order to get those, that money from those foundations. And um, that's what they were advising the NRA to do. And that's what they were trying to do that dad and the others went to Cincinnati to put a stop to. They said, right. no, no, no. And uh, of course, this, these, these fundraising experts, these consultants said, there's no way that you're ever going to get the money that you need to do what you want to do from your current membership. And it turned out that after the Cincinnati revolt, after dad nominated Harlan Carter to be the executive vice president, after he and dad um, went to war with the BATF, um, the members got fired up and membership doubled in, I think, I think it doubled the next year. And then uh, we were up to 3 million. That was 1978 that dad started at Isla. 
we were at 3 million members at about 1984, I think. Um, so those four years were the biggest years in NRA's history because they came out strong as a Second right. Amendment advocate and led the charge. And a big part of that was the Firearms Owners Protection Act. Dad called it the Gun Decontrol Act yeah. uh, that was specifically to answer what had been done in 1968 with the Gun Control Act of 1968, there was a lot of onerous stuff in there. There still is some onerous stuff in there. And, and frankly, all of it could go away and I would be happy. But at that time here, we're in 1978, 10 years after passage of the GCA 68. And dad said, why are we having to show a driver's license and and write our name and address down in a book to buy 22 ammo at the drugs or at the the yellow front store down on the corner right. uh, why can't i order bullets and primers and and powder um, mail order <laughs> why can't i go to a gun show and talk to a dealer at a gun show De dealers were forbidden to participate in gun shows um, right. They had to only do their business out of their brick and mortar store. So right. there were a number of things. And and why are we paying these ATF thugs to kick in the doors of gun owners and allowing them to, to um, throw away the FFL of a guy, but just because he makes a mistake on paperwork. And so that was what that was about. And that was what was supposed to be fixed with the Firearms Owners Protection Act. Unfortunately, after dad was gone, it uh, it started, they started watering it down a bit. And uh, what we got in 86 was not as good as what we started in 78. But, uh, and of course it had the Hughes Amendment attached to it. And that's right. a whole nother can of worms. Mm -hmm. but, um, but it's more complicated than most people see or most people understand if they don't know the history that goes along with it. And right. um, so back to what we started with, history is really important, understanding history. And if you like your guns, think of FUD, because it was the FUDs that were keeping us in the fight for the first 200 years of this country. And right. um, maybe, you know, they weren't perfect. They made mistakes, but those are the guys who pay the bills and paid the bills and kept us in the fight and, and grew this into the culture that we all enjoy today. Right. Um, let's, um, let's shift gears. We're up at the top of the hour, but let's have a little fun for a few minutes here, uh, if you don't mind, Jeff. You bet. Uh, let me get uh, this on, and, and we're going to go with a little this or that segment. Uh, if I can find my little banner here that is brought to us by our friends over at Avidity Arms. And uh, if you might recognize that name, you might not. You might think Avidity Arms. Hmm, I heard that like 10 years ago. Yes, you did. But uh, Rob has finally gotten everything uh, running and going. The PD-10 production model, I think last year it released. Uh, they're already cutting some deals. They've got the PD-10 
Uh, moving from uh, nine millimeter was the original. Now they've added the 30 super carry, which is one of very few firearms that uh, are chambered for that newer cartridge. Uh, and in my opinion, probably the best uh choice for that particular cartridge as well and uh we're gonna have rob from video arms uh pretty soon on the podcast uh maybe a few weeks or so but we're definitely going to get him on uh there's some stuff that i, I can't talk about with video arms yet but um they are a thing they are here uh, from talking to Rob, they're here to stay, and uh, it's definitely an option for, you know, your carry purposes, your concealed carry purposes. The PD-10 was designed by an instructor with uh, all of his, anyway, carry preferences and those he sees in students uh, in mind. So, uh, big shout out, big thanks to, of course, Infinity Arms. Let's get this off. Let's get Jeff back up here. So, we call this segment, Jeff, This or That. I'm going to give you two choices. You have to pick one of the two choices. If you want to defend your choice, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, and we're going to start out with something really easy. Pancakes or waffles, Jeff? Oh, oh, um, I have to go waffles, have to go okay. with waffles. Okay. Is there a reason for that? They hold more syrup and it's all ah, about the maple valid. syrup That's and the butter. Valid. That is valid. Yeah. More syrup, more butter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, rifle or a, uh, or a handgun, if you had to grab one and go in general. Well, a handgun is something that, that you use to get, back to the rifle that you shouldn't put down in the first place. Um, <laughs> right. So I, yeah. I really love handguns and I enjoy shooting handguns. But if if I'm in a I need something, a, yeah. a rifle is what I'm going to reach for. Got to go rifle. Gotcha. Uh, if somebody says, OK, here's a uh, here's the title to a um, I'm not, I'm, let's say brand new vehicle. Here's the title to a brand new vehicle. Would you rather it be a pickup truck or a sports car? Pickup truck. Pickup truck. Okay. Let's uh, get around in uh, out in Arizona, I suppose. Um, right. When you get out to the range, do you prefer uh, shooting steel or shooting paper? It depends on what I'm doing, but true. steel is, is true. more fun. But you got to yeah. have the paper to know what you're doing to start, you know. I would agree with that. I think that's a that's a good yeah. I think that's a good analogy. If you want to just go out and have fun, I think steel mm. probably yeah probably the way to go. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna hang some gongs out at my place. I, I've got enough room to 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 get out a little ways now, and so I'm gonna hang a few gongs out there. But I'm gonna have to spend some time on paper to make sure that I'm my my range is correct and and mm. my elevation is uh, is what yeah. i think it is whether i'm shooting yep. flat or up or down but uh, yep all yep, yep. of that makes a difference yeah my range Both is are a little critical, uphill but, yeah. but the uh the gongs are are just so much fun and you don't have to go down and paste them up again yep that is true gotta paint them every now and then every now and then looking good yeah um if uh, taking a vacation, would you prefer uh, the mountains or the beach? Um, I would prefer to stay home. <laughs> uh, and it's in the mountains, so. And it's you know. in the mountains, so there you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that's okay. My wife drags me to the beach every now and then, but uh, oh, does I, don't, she? I yeah. think she did that the la for the last time. We finally, right. we got our dream home. 
we got so blessed. I'll tell you what, Clover, we uh, we bought a little house uh, ten years ago mm-hmm. during the the collapse. We were able to buy a little house, and we were able to sell it and buy nice. what we really wanted a little piece of property out in the country with a nice little house on it uh, just for the two of us and now my grandson. And uh, we uh, we are happy as clams, so we don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely get it. Um, yeah, we're looking at, at hopefully, hopefully breaking ground this year on building something. I mean, I'm not going to move or anything like that, stay on the same property, but hopefully break ground on uh, trying to build a, we're, we're, we're staying tiny house and I don't know if we're going to go barn dominium or I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something different than a, a conventional house. I think for we'll sure. give Eric Cortina a call. He, uh, now he'd be an interesting podcast for you. We Eric might is that long range shooter. Yeah. He's, he's, he's something he's pretty sharp, right? Yeah. Yeah. We I'd like to spend a little while with him on the range. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Right, right. Um, before we get out of here, uh, Jeff, I know we kept you a little over an hour, and that was, uh, of course, the plan. Um, real quick, rundown, uh, basically two things uh, here before we close out. Uh, number one, uh, obviously, you're running for board of directors, uh, the three names of the other gentlemen, and then where people can find you, follow you, reach out if they if they want to do so. Absolutely. Thank you, Clover. Appreciate it. Um, firearmscoalition.org. Firearmscoalition, all one word, no spaces. Firearmscoalition.org is where you can find more information. And that includes all of the guys' names and and all of that. We're asking you to vote for just the four of us. Leave the rest blank. You don't have to vote for 25. You just vote for the four of us. And that gives a little bit more weight to our four votes. So, uh, and very important is please talk to all of your NRA member friends, lots and lots. As a matter of fact, about 95% of NRA members who get a ballot never return it. And if we can get those, some of those ballots turned in with our four names on them, we can win seats. But, um, the four names are Phil Journey out of Hayesville, Kansas, um, Rocky Marshall out of, um, where is he in Texas? Um, said outside same place San Antonio that, somewhere. Yeah, it's the same place right. that uh, that uh, uh, Demolition Ranch and and uh, all of those guys are at in, in yeah, Texas. Probably. Uh, Probably down in Hill Country somewhere. Bernie. Bernie, Bernie Texas. Okay. That's outside yeah. San Antonio. Yeah. Right. So anyway, Rocky Marshall from Bernie, Texas. Um, Dennis Fusaro out of Virginia. And me, Jeff Knox, out of Tombstone, Arizona. And we uh, we would appreciate your votes. Please talk to your friends about it and visit firearmscoalition.org to get more information. I try and keep it updated and I fail, <laughs> but, but there's a lot there and uh, just search around a little bit and you can find all kinds of amazing stuff. Right. Well, Jeff, uh, once again, uh, thanks for coming on, spending some time with us. Uh, always a pleasure. We don't get to 
meet up IRL, as the kids say in real life. Nearly oh, as let me plug something. Let me yeah, plug something while we're here. One of the reasons I'm I'm up in Phoenix right now, and one of the reasons I'm you here are, is yeah. we're having our big uh, Second Amendment rally at the Capitol on Saturday. Ah, that's right here in I Arizona. So if this gets posted up before then, then then anybody in Arizona, please come on down to the Capitol in Phoenix. Uh, uh, Guns and Gadgets is going to be here. Um, Stephen Williford's going to be here. Uh, Stephen is the hero of of uh, Sutherland Springs, mm -hmm. recall. Um, Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation will be here. Wow. I'll be emceeing the event, uh, co-emceeing along with Cheryl Todd. Cheryl is fantastic all by herself. But yep. um, so anyway, it's going to be a big deal. We expect at least a couple of thousand people out here on Saturday nice. in gorgeous weather. So if you don't live here, fly on in. It's worth the trip. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm looking great. forward to seeing Jared uh, from Guns and Gadgets and and just having a great day on Saturday. So anybody who can make it, please come. All right. Awesome. Keep that in mind for those out there uh, listening right now. Um, yeah, that's going to uh, do it for this one. Let's uh, switch over to this real quick. Hang tight, Jeff. Uh, we'll uh, we'll close this out in just a second. And uh, yeah, tell everybody out there bye. Thanks for. Uh, those in the live chat with all the comments, watching, participating. Remember, if you are in replay and you want to join the live chat, you want to ask questions, uh, like Chris from the 740 just did right there. He said, good evening, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, go over to the YouTube channel, the Culver Tech YouTube channel. There's links as always down below to do that. Uh, click the join button. Uh, Firearms Coalition, all of that will be uh, down below too. So you can check out uh, what Jeff is doing. Big thanks to Anderson Manufacturing, obviously, Avidity Arms, obviously. And uh, outside of that, we're going to see you on the next one. So bye. Thanks for hanging out on another episode of the Clover Tech Podcast. For all our other projects and ways you can support the channel, take a minute to visit CloverTech.com. Consider becoming a YouTube channel member so you can catch these podcasts live and interact with our guests. See you on the next one.